Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. Check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. I am joined by... Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. And this should be the last week without Lutheran John. Yeah. He should be back next week where we've fiddled with our recording schedules and whatnot. So John had some some work stuff that was keeping him from recording at our normal time. So hopefully we can work all this nonsense out and, uh, and get him back in here starting next week. So, uh, yeah, so I guess church this week, um, I guess I'll start since you weren't there Not for some <laughs> like, like a heathen. Yeah. Um, so I guess you can do what we did that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sunday morning, uh, Keith preached on Romans eight, one through 11. Mm-hmm. And obviously I am geeking out that we're now in Romans eight <laughs> as, as, as one should. should. As yes. Should and, uh, and he kind of laid down a grace filled hammer, mm-hmm. um, really, really got into the, uh, it is impossible for the mindset on the flesh to please God and it can't submit to it. And, mm-hmm. and he was kind of talking about how so many people in church kind of get their Jesus fix on Sunday. And then the rest of the week, they're just kind of doing whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he got pretty into it. It was really good, really good message. And, um, it was, I think it was kind of a wake up call for some people. Yeah, I hope so. And, and, uh, music wise went, went pretty well until transitioning from the sermon to, uh, into the last song where Keith was praying and I was trying, I was doing a really good job at keeping my guitar quiet because I started the next song and I shifted my hand and just for a split second hit an open beam. It just went oh, right in the middle of the prayer. And I was just like, yeah. I, love it. I was so mad at myself. What song did y'all do at the end? I don't even remember. God with us. Maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, so then that evening, we did our first baptisms since we renovated the space mm-hmm. and dunked 11 people. Dunked 11 people. It was really sweet. I mean, you know, we have um, at Res a, a, what you would call like an older traditional style building where the, the baptistry historically has been... Mm-hmm up above the stage kind of behind our what is now our screen yeah right? and so you know it's now our guitar amp room because right. we've turned it into a guitar because amp people room. being baptized were running a tetanus risk exactly that thing is so old man our building's 50 years old and it was rusted out in there so we turned it into our amp room and with this recent renovation and we bought a portable baptistry which yeah. we never had before that thing's pretty cool it is really cool it looks like a big hot tub yeah um, but what it allowed us to do was to put that thing on the floor in front of the stage which brought the baptism so much closer yeah to the audience yeah which that in and of itself i thought was really sweet it just yeah. felt like we were all together yeah around the pool there were a couple splashes where a couple drops of water almost hit my pedal board it's kind of like a sea world company, <laughs> yeah. Right? You know, you, yeah uh or either. that uh, or that guy who smashes the watermelons i don't remember what his name is oh, but you know who i'm talking about who'll who'll slap him with a sledgehammer and stuff and just spray the audience and <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about Whatever. <laughs> sounds kind of cool um but we did we did a couple of things we haven't done before um one was we allowed the families just simply because of the proximity change. Oh yeah. We allowed the families 
for each baptism candidate to come forward and stand around the baptistry mm-hmm. while we baptized them, which I don't know. I just, I liked it. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was just such a sweet moment as, you know, moms and dads, grandmothers, grandfathers, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles, whoever was there. Life group members. Life even. group members yeah. came down, uh, would come and st- anybody that wanted to could come and stand mm-hmm. around the baptistry. And then w- instead of, you know, Keith and I saying a prayer over each person, we allowed a parent or family member mm-hmm. or life group. I don't know if any life group. Members, I don't think so. But maybe just been parents and family members to pray over that person after they gave their testimony. Mm-hmm. Each one had a, a little testimony prepared. Um, and then a family member prayed over them. And then Keith and I dumped them. And, uh, of course, we bookended that with worship. And I just thought it was a great, great night for our church. We had a fellowship afterwards, kind of a reception style thing. Mm-hmm. People could just come and hang out. Um, I, I really miss those. We used to do that kind of stuff when I was growing up. The church would 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 have gatherings and functions that that weren't formal services, right. per se. Uh, I mean, certainly Sunday night had a level of formality with the baptisms, but yet I loved the informality of family members coming down and prayers being prayed and then breaking bread afterwards. Yep. Which, sadly, I don't think the church does as much today as it did in years past. And and I, it was just really great for, for Rez to be able to have a night like that. Yeah, and, and it has been a, probably since last summer since we did something like that, if I remember correctly. Mm, probably so. Of course, some of it has to do with the facilities getting kind of overturned and right. stuff I mean, like we, that. We had church in our fellowship hall all summer long and, and no access to a baptistry. Um, I mean, we probably could have gone to it. We, we did do a baptism service at the... At the water park, at the yeah. the water park last year um, after our vacation Bible school, but... I don't know. It, it was just a really great night, and it's something that uh, we're going to repeat for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the topic this week... Uh, this was all your idea, so if it goes wrong, <laughs> we, blame me. We know who to blame. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a really good idea, I think, in that you were talking about mindsets of leading worship when you're not the quote unquote worship leader. Mm-hmm. You're not on lead vocals or vocals. Period. I know I'm not at Res. I've had a mic at Res maybe two or three times to read or welcome or whatever. Right. Um, which was risky in and of itself, but, (laughs) and then pre-res, I did backup vocals like twice ever. Uh And, uh, so this is something that even applies to me because I don't have a microphone. Um, so, so what, what was, what was your, uh, thought process in saying this needs to be talked about on this podcast? Well, you know. I've been in local church ministry for 20 years, and a huge part of that has been on worship teams where I was the lead Mm -hmm. vocal um, and and a lot of times the lead instrument as well. Um, And I've I've been a part of a number of different worship teams with all different types of people, different church settings, contexts. I've been on tour with groups, and um, there's just been a pretty stark reality, a stark difference that I've noticed among the different people that I've played and sang with on worship teams mm-hmm. 
as to their conscious, intentional effort to be a worship leader, yep. even though they're not on a lead mic. They're not the mm-hmm. lead vocal. The, the emphasis tends to be placed right there. And yet the rest of the team, whether they're playing bass, drums, or backup vocal, has a huge impact right. on the just the team's ability as a whole to lead the congregation in worship. In fact, it used to be that we, we talked about the band and the quote-unquote praise team separately. The praise team mm. would be the lead vocal and frontline singers— and those, those almost subconsciously, we thought of those people as the worship leaders. And then there was the band, right? So the band just sort of provided the, you know, the musical stage, if you will, yeah, for the praise team to actually be out front and lead the church in worship. It's kind of the goal being, for lack of a better term that I can think of right now, taking the spotlight off of a lead singer. Mm-hmm. Um, really, we're trying to put the spotlight on God in the first place. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, but it's it's not about only uh, worshiping through song. But, I mean, you look in the Psalms and David's saying, hey, praise him with X, Y, and Z with all these different instruments. Yeah, heart, the lyre, right? That's and so right. this this really shatters the paradigm of, well, I'm just a bassist. Right. Um, which we're still going to make jokes about playing bass. <laughs> exactly. We're still going to make fun of the drummer. Right. That's all okay. Right. But there's no such thing as I'm just this guy hanging out in the back and that's all I really have to worry about, right? Not, not at all. I mean, you know, the question we all should ask as believers when it comes time for us to worship together is, am I worshiping? Like, right. am, I, am I engaged in worship? And so a bassist, uh, a percussionist that's playing a, a shaker and, um, you know, a tambourine mm-hmm. should be asking themselves the question, you know, am I here to worship? Right. You know, because before you lead anywhere, you have to actually be worshiping yourself. Right. There, there needs to be a, a spiritual engagement with God, a, com- a, a communion with God that's happening with you personally, which then spills over if you're on stage mm-hmm. to being a part of the leadership of worship at a given service. And I think sadly, you know, I've been guilty of it too. Cause you know, I said that most of the time I've been a, a lead worshiper or a lead vocalist, lead instrumental, um, out front kind of person. But there have been times when, uh, over the years I've been on a piano in the back or yep. I've been on a bass in the back. And I haven't worshipped, you know. Right. You know, maybe I had a really good time playing the song, or maybe I was really mm. bored with the song. And that's just as possible singing, too. It's just as possible singing. You can be out front and not be worshipping, but I think sometimes, particularly instrumentalists, they they see themselves in the background, and so yep. they're not as conscious of their impact in leading worship as maybe the you know, the frontliners who, if they're not engaged in worship, they're at least going to try to fake it because mm-hmm. they don't want to look like idiots up there. Yeah. <laughs> now, you did drop a term that we've been uh, really kind of highlighting here at Res within our worship team, band, whatever you want to call it, uh, of lead worshiper. Uh, we're not really calling ourselves worship leaders, which is true, but at the same time, you did say that we have to be worshiping first. Mm. And then people can cue off of us, correct? Absolutely. And, and 
I, I mean, I hear that a lot now. It, churches and teams using the that lead worshiper mm-hmm. or worshipers as opposed to worship leaders, and I think that's good. I think if we understand why we're saying that, that points us in the right direction is that we are first and foremost, whether we're on the stage or off, we are gathered here to worship and glorify God. And that should be my mindset if I'm on the very, you know, tip front of the stage or if I'm in the back playing bass, uh, is that I want to worship. And then it's through that example of worship, you know, that we are leading the congregation. And, and, and that's important too, is that we're not just up there playing music. Right. You know what I mean? It's that we are we are leading by example. That should be the mindset, I think, of every person on a worship team is we are up here not just to facilitate worship, but to lead in worship by example. Mm-hmm. So. And we, I, I, we've talked a little bit about this, but a lot of it really shows in kind of a body language or stage presence. Right. Um, where... Both of us are pretty active on stage in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, you have a tendency to just go full eyes shut and kind of like the Rocky pose, <laughs> like arms straight out or whatever. Right, right. Uh, like that's your thing. Uh, me with the more punk and metal background, I am more prone to it's like a half power stance. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, not a full power stance because that would be a little weird in a church setting. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that don't know power stance, if you work out, it's a lunge position. Yes. Sort of half halfway lunging and uh, getting that V-shaped guitar just in the right <laughs> spot and hammer on that. Yeah, and, and, you know, with a little more bouncing than, than most people in the worship world. Yeah. And, and the same thing can be said for my wife, Kristen, too, when she plays with this, is she's bouncing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are other people who have other ways of expressing that and that's all okay and that's all important for people to see yeah um where um we had a a little old lady at our church who just died but Mm -hmm. there were several times she told me like she she sat right where we sit Mm -hmm. um like two rows behind us and she told me several times she's like i love when you play guitar Mm -hmm. and it I don't. I never thought anything about it. I'm just this guy who's got tattoos and wears a lot of black, bounces around a little bit. <laughs> but even the older people who who uh, have kind of been stereotyped into not liking that kind of thing, right, will appreciate that. And you know what's interesting, Cody, is that when I met with the family before that funeral, I haven't told you this. Um, they, the family, talked about how this is a a lady and her husband that came to our church after being at another church for years and years and years and years. And, you know, I I won't name the church because they felt like they just weren't getting substance there. Sure. And there wasn't a, I don't know, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of spiritual vitality Mm -hmm. in that church is the way they articulated it to me when they came about three years ago. But nonetheless, they, they had only really known traditional worship. And yeah. here at Res, we're, you know, sort of modern in our expression. Uh, and we are a lot more expressive maybe than some churches. We're not as expressive as some churches. You know, we don't have people swinging from the rafters. And <laughs> uh, but people at Res lift their hands. We clap. Yeah. Um, you will hear people say unprompted hallelujah or Bless the Lord. You know, sure. you'll, you'll, you'll hear some of that. It's never, 
you know, out of order or chaotic, but that all that was very new to her. Mm. And and to hear that she kind of zeroed in on you is an, it's an example of what we're talking about. You know? Yeah, yeah. Is that you you don't take the mic and lead a song vocally, but yet you were leading worship and people. Someone in our church who really at the in the latter years of her life was looking to go deeper in her relationship with the Lord. She was looking yeah. to. Um, add some spiritual vitality to her walk with the Lord. And she found it, I think, in a place that she would have never expected. And, you know, you know, if you'd have told her maybe 10 years ago, hey, you're going to be really blessed by a guy with tattoos and gauges <laughs> in his ears who plays a V-shaped guitar and gets in a power stance, that might have sounded totally foreign to her. Yeah. But yet all of those things really don't matter because you're up there worshiping. Right. And you're making an impact. You're 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 a lead worshiper, right? And and even to kind of piggyback off that, one of the things that I, I kind of like about what we've been doing uh, relatively regularly is if all some quote unquote all someone does on vocals is background vocals. A lot of times, those are the best people that we have for reading a scripture mm-hmm. or leading a prayer or something yeah. like that. Like some of the some of the more powerful readings have yeah. come from those people yeah. where, you know, even if, even if they sound half bored with it in rehearsal, like they get into the actual worship surface and it hits them like a ton of bricks. Exactly. And, it, and that's the way it should be. I mean, I think, you know, my wife is one of our strongest vocalists oh, yeah. here at Res. Um, but when we were in college and we toured with the group from our college, um, that group was so stacked with vocal talent. Mm-hmm. My wife never got a solo in yeah. three years in touring with that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some people in our church might be shocked to hear that because they love to hear Mary sing. She's a very, very good singer. But the talent was so strong there, it just, she never got a solo. Yeah. But yet I could not tell you how many times on the, I lost count of how many tours we went on and how many churches we uh, went to how many times people would come up to Mary after a service who never sang a solo mm-hmm. in the choir and and people would tell her how much they were blessed by seeing her worship yeah how that invited them into worship just by what was happening with her physically that's what we see and that's what we hear and and, and that's what we experience is is how a person is, conducting themselves on a stage, but yet that in and of itself isn't what makes the impact. It's the worship that's going on inside. Right. That's spilling over on the outside that really, and and I think every person on a worship team needs to be conscious of that and needs to understand that your presence on stage can have a huge impact or to put it negatively, you could take away if you were up there mm-hmm. bored, disengaged, and, yeah. and and not a part of leading worship. Yeah, and that that's one of my pet peeves is seeing in any musical uh, any musical situation people who look bored. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen uh, I've seen metal bands like particularly local metal bands because if you're touring nationally, you're probably going to put on a pretty good show. Yeah, but I've seen local metal bands where either a guitarist or even a vocalist where they're belting out these huge screams and they look they look like nothing's really going on. Yeah, where something 
that like that aggressive of a style is necessarily going to bring forth emotions mm -hmm. just because of the way that it's played yeah. where I've, I've played some stuff for and you said that makes me want to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, so, man. so how much more should a, in any genre, whether you're talking traditional, modern, or even, even a, a theologically correct Christian metal band, yeah. <laughs> like how much more should that come through? Now, of course it's going to look different for everybody. It is. And uh, I, I, I want to emphasize I want to make room. I, I do make room for Res to, to to sort of have a DNA when it comes to worship and how we express our joy in God, our our pleasure in Him, our sense of awe of His glory and and the magnitude of His power, uh, and our, our our gratitude for what He's done. Uh, oh yeah, for us. I mean, I I think I, I have room for in my mind for. You know, when Jesus met with the woman at the well and he talked about true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. I have room in my heart and mind for spirit and truth worship that has a variety of different outward expressions. Yeah. And and we might could even scale those in, on a on a scale of expressiveness. Sure. And that's okay. The point is I, I don't you know, you may not be the guy that you don't do the Rocky stance like I do when I'm really into it. Mm -hmm. um, but yet the way in which you outwardly express what's going on inwardly, mm -hmm. the you know, based on who you are and the way right. you express right. yourself, it, it, as long as that expression lines up biblically, it's going to have an impact. Right. And, and we also have to make room for... Uh, people expressing it depending on where they are at the time. That's right. Where where somebody could have come in having a fantastic week and they're going to be happier. Yeah. Uh, whereas you know a third of the something like a third or over over a third of the Psalms are laments. Exactly. Where David is asking God, "Where are you?" Yeah. <laughs> and and that's a legitimate thing for the Christian. Yeah. To worship through. Yeah. Uh, it, that doesn't mean you cut it off. That means you still worship, but you can say, "I don't know what's going on here." Yeah. And that should be just as valid as somebody who just had a legit week. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I would encourage people to um, do what we talked about in a previous episode, like begin, maybe here's a beginning point, you know, assuming that, uh, you know, everybody on a worship team is a believer, um, you know. And, that's uh, an entirely different that's episode. That's an entirely different episode, <laughs> but we'll start from that point for today, um, recognizing that there may be varying degrees of spiritual maturity on a team. But nevertheless, um, we, we talked about this early in one of our early episodes is read the lyrics. Don't yes. just learn the song. Sit down and, and set the music aside for a minute and read the lyrics. Mm -hmm. let, let yourself digest them. Think about where you would anchor those lyrics in Scripture and, and worship, you know, in that way. Worship in truth. Right. Right. You know, it, it, that, that's what we're, what we mean by that. I think that's what Jesus meant by that is that we, we're worshiping in truth. We're, 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 we're being saturated in the truth of God and his word. And so read the lyrics, 
endeavor to root them in scripture. And if you have trouble with that, go to your worship leader, go to the, whoever the lead person is on your team or your pastor Mm -hmm. and ask for help with that so that you can be a lead worshiper. I think that would be a fantastic place to start. Yeah. And that gets into, you had mentioned the spiritual focus off stage stage. before you even get to rehearsal or Sunday morning, uh, when we're getting ready a couple hours before is obviously we're, we're preparing musically, but we should also be preparing spiritually. If all you've done is learn the music, you, you, I wouldn't even say you've gotten 50% of the preparation oh, yeah. done. You've that, totally missed the point. You've really missed the point. And yes, learning the music is important. And it's very easy for anybody on a worship team to spend the bulk of their time there. I'm going to get this lick down. I got to mm-hmm. get this chord progression down. I got to get this harmony part down. And if you, if that's all you're doing, mm-hmm then I, where's the spirit and truth part of that? Right. I think you need to, to think about, okay, what, what is it? If you, if you know the theme uh, that your church is focusing on that Sunday, if you know where your pastor is going to be teaching from in Scripture, yep. uh, if you have the, the I'm sure you have the songs and the lyrics and the, and the chord charts ahead of time, read over those lyrics. <laughs> and to die. our listeners who don't have those ahead of time, bless That's your hearts. Yeah, get get that all of that. Go over it in your mind. Spend some time with that. Um, you know, meditate on that before you go on stage, so that you're not just playing notes and singing notes. You're actually engaged in the truth with the help and leadership of the Holy Spirit to actually worship. Right, and and we're not saying anything like you have to read ten chapters a day in the Bible. No, no, no. no. But be in it regularly. Absolutely. Whatever that means. Maybe that means 10 verses mm-hmm. a day for some people to start out. Yeah. And then you can build to a couple chapters or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if, but if you're not being informed by who God says he is, you're not going to be able to worship him in the first place. Yeah. Cause, cause if I said that I love my wife who has blonde hair and blue eyes and she's five foot two. Yeah. Yeah. She's, you know, everybody who knows Kristen is going to look at me funny. And I've, I've made that analogy before where everybody knows she's five foot nine, <laughs> brown eyes and huge dyed red hair. <laughs> it makes it really easy, really easy to pick her out when I, when I, when we get separated at the grocery store. <laughs> I'm getting into you because you got to me. In a way words can't describe I'm getting into you Because I've got to be um, So anyway, uh, I guess we can move on to our rapid fire questions. Does that sound decent? Sure. So from Stanfields, uh, my dad, for those of you who don't know, African or European? It's a simple matter of weight ratios. What, I, what do I prefer? <laughs> <laughs> he was making a Monty Python reference. Oh, man, I totally missed that. Um, so Tom Dugan, who decided to troll us regarding my dad, how do you know when your dad's podcast is better than yours? 
I was gonna leave that one alone. Your dad told me some of his stats, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, he's he's blowing us out of the water a little bit. Um, but that brings us to our ad for all seven days. Uh, join the discussion of topics such as: Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? Does God forget our sins, etc.? So join that discussion on those topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast. Stan and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a conversation about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, and more. And send your questions into ask at all7days.com. Also, once a month now featuring one yeah. Bradley Cox. And that just happened, that just aired. Uh, what, a couple days ago as we record this. It, it has. I haven't listened to it yet, but if, if, if... It went well, and you didn't accuse my dad of heresy, so thanks. Uh, <laughs> to, to the whatever seven days listeners there are out there, we're going to try to get that reduced down. We I, I told Stan, that your dad, that I felt like we tried to cover too much in one episode. So we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to try to take smaller bites so that it's not... Question from Stan and Bradley talks for 15 minutes because I think in paragraphs. Sure. And it, it, it was a little bit lengthy, but. Sure. Anyway. Uh, one more fun question from Brian Morris. Oh, dang it. My Facebook just screwed up because I forgot to type this one in. Edit this, John. So one more fun question from Brian Morris. Would you rather have Calvin's health issues or Luther's vocabulary issues? <laughs> Luther's vocabulary Me too. Issues. Me too. Yeah. That's what I'm closer to anyway. I may, not have, may or may not have those already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So also from Brian Morris, this is actually a pretty good one. How do you graciously tell your worship leader you completely disagree with their idea for direction on a song without insulting them? Or do you keep your opinion to yourself and play the song? You mean like you don't like the song? As I think it's... Hey, let's cut this bridge in half, or hey, let's go back into this verse after this chorus, or whatever. Uh, so I, I would I would read that as song structure. Song structure. So somebody on the worship team disagrees with the worship leader. Yes. About the song structure. Um, well, that's a difficult one. You know, I I've always tried to create an atmosphere where if somebody has an opinion about how we structure a song that they feel the freedom to express that um, so that there's a, I mean, you, you want, you want people to be able to contribute creatively oh, yeah. um, to that, but somebody's got to make the call. I mean, exactly. there, there could be, if there's nine people on the team or six people on the team, there could be six different opinions about how many times to repeat the bridge before we move back to the chorus. Mm -hmm. um, so somebody's got to be able to make that call. But I think that, you know, you need to discern whether or not that is, your opinion is such that you can just sort of mention that in practice, or do you need to look for a moment to talk with the worship leader privately? Sure. Um, if you if you have a really strong sense about mm -hmm. you know how the song's being structured and why, uh, particularly if you feel like it's affecting the impact of the song itself, right? Um, that might be a conversation you want to have outside of practice as opposed to into it, because as a person who's led a lot of rehearsals. When there's a lot of opinions of flying around and not a lot of agreement, yeah, that can make for a very stressful rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, as as the person in the lead, my ear is not quite as open when I'm stressed out trying to get through a rehearsal. Exactly. So you might want to pick your pick your times well, use discernment, yep. 
based on the level of disagreement you might have about song yeah. structure. And another thing is, uh, and I'm not saying that Brian is, but don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um, if if your idea gets shot down, I think I had at least five or six songs get shot down before one of the songs that I suggested actually got played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I was batting over for a while, yeah. and I'm still not. I still don't even have a good batting average yeah. <laughs> for yeah. songs that I've suggested. Yeah. Um, and no, none of them have been metal, just for the record. <laughs> um, from Jared Hartley, thoughts on Easter playlists that some Facebook pages and churches are putting together. Does it ruin the actual Easter morning celebration? So the way I'm reading this, he didn't get back to me on the on the Facebook post, was uh, a church saying, hey, these are the songs we're going to play this Sunday uh, and putting that out on social media. Any problems with that? Uh, do you think that would, uh, as he put it, ruin the actual celebration of the church service? No, I don't think so. Um, if I, I don't know why it would ruin it other than if it's like, hey, we want to surprise the church in mm-hmm. some way. Um, I guess I could sort of see where, you know, there could be a, some heightened anticipation among the congregations. Oh, what are we going to sing today? Like, what are we going to, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess I could see that. But in some ways, kind of going along with today's topic, putting the worship list or the set list out there ahead of time might allow the congregation to prepare along with you yeah. in the same manner that we're talking about the people on stage preparing. Yep. I mean, we're not, this is not a performance. we got to get out of that mindset that we we're coming to deliver a product on Easter Sunday. No, we're gathering with the church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead together. Yep. And so I think putting the set list out ahead of time could actually give, you know, especially if the pastor and the worship leader are sort of, you know, prodding the congregation, hey, listen to these songs ahead of yep. time. Be ready to come yep. and join your voice in the song. Like that that could be a great thing. Yeah, and I think that would be especially helpful for introducing new songs is saying, Hey, we're, we're going to play this new song that some of you may not have heard. Mm -hmm. Like I don't listen to the radio at all. Like I I stream stuff on Spotify that I already know. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you know, if we play something like a Shane and Shane song, that's not going to be on the radio typically. Right. right. And, uh, so some people, the first time we played, what was it? Psalm 34, uh, Mm -hmm. taste and see, there were some people who looked kind of lost. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which is okay. Like, yeah. I'm not complaining about that, but we've we've batted the idea around of, in the worship council, when you haven't been around, of saying, hey, sh- should we maybe throw out a graphic on social media every week or maybe just when we're we're going to introduce a new song or whatever. Well, and, yeah, uh, I get, I don't, I'm sure you guys get this too, but I get a lot of texts and emails, mm-hmm. especially when we do new songs from people in the church asking what song is that? Where did it come from? Yeah. They want to listen to it. And I think that that is, at least it can be helpful mm-hmm. as long as, you know, they, we understand that we are, we're trying to help them prepare with right. us, you know, Hey, here's what we're going to do. I mean, we, we typically on Easter Sunday, we don't do anything brand new right on Easter Sunday. If there's a new song that we want, it's been within the last couple of weeks in the, la- in the couple of weeks leading up to Easter, we will do it a time or two. Mm-hmm. So that the congregation be, can be familiar with it. Yep. Um, and because we want Easter Sunday to be 
man, we want everybody engaged. Yeah. Uh, we don't want them staring at a screen trying to figure the song out. So. Which leads perfectly into our final question from my dad again. Uh, where's the balance for CEO Christmas and Easter only attendees regarding being welcoming and being completely offensive with the gospel, like with how John MacArthur said he means, means to offend everybody with the gospel when he was in that conversation with Ben Shapiro? And should it be an uh, and should it be any different for other Sundays as opposed to holidays? I, whatever. I can't really read right now. Or maybe, Padre, maybe you just made a typo. Mm-hmm. Um, so where's the balance for being uh, welcoming and completely offensive with the gospel? Well, this might be controversial for some listening, but uh, I'll just... Say yes, that, that gets us more plays. Maybe, maybe I don't know. People <laughs> may just go, oh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I yeah. don't know. But um, my my philosophy is, and we've, we've really wrestled with this as elders at Res and as a staff, is that we come into Easter and Christmas the same way we come into every Sunday. Mm-hmm. With our focus, our focus being on the believing community gathered for worship. Yep. Yep. Our focus is on the believing community gathered for worship. Because that's what the church is. That's what the church is. So that's part A. Here's part B. While I'm focused in all my leadership, teaching, worship, prayer, yep, liturgy, communion, whatever, while I'm focused on the believing community gathered for worship, I'm mindful mm-hmm. of the unbelieving among us. What that means for me is that I'm not trying to preach at the people or lead at the people. That makes sense. I'm not trying to do things specifically for the people here that are only here because it's Christmas or Easter. Yep. And may or may not be in Christ. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not doing things for them. What I'm doing, we're doing this for the believing community, but we're mindful of those people constantly inviting them yep. to participate. Which involves defining yeah. terms. Exactly. So I might be teaching uh, on Easter Sunday, I might be teaching on, you know, say, uh, I'm considering this for this year. I hadn't fully decided, but Siren preaching S- on this. Super exclusive preview here on the exactly. Westminster Effects Doxology podcast. <laughs> Maybe going from John 11, talking about when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and that whole narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some contextual things that I might clarify for people. Uh, you know, for instance, you know, when Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, let's go on to Bethany now. And they're mm-hmm. like, are you sure you want to do that, Jesus? Like the last time we were there... You know, and so you can kind of don't assume that everybody knows what the last time was. Right. Say, hey, if you're not familiar with this, right? Right. Or if when you come to the Lord's table, hey, you may not be familiar with communion. Let, let me let me explain to you what we're doing mm-hmm. and and what it means to participate. Which is we're we're not dumbing anything down. No. Um, not like at all. you you've you've even referenced. Uh, which might have been my peak nerdiness. You referenced Codex Vaticanus one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, I did. And uh, so there's stuff that nerds can grasp yeah. and grow from, but then there's also the reminders for the people who've been around it for a while, while it's also teaching for the first time for more 
uh, more recent converts, exactly. which is important for, you know, you, ha- you have everything in Christianity. It's not just a, well, I have that. Now I got to move on. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's one of the things. I'll I- give you a real, like Sunday night, we talked about the baptism mm-hmm. service we did. I know for a fact that there were family members present mm-hmm. that are not believers that were there with probably no more thought and and um, purpose than if they went to a school play at the elementary school. Sure, it's just oh, so and so's getting baptized. Let's go watch that. Mm-hmm. Be, be supported. So I knew there were people there that didn't know. So I stood up at the beginning of the service. And I talked to the believing community, but I did it in such a way that everybody could understand what we were about to do. And I said, yep. okay, we're about to sing, and here's what we're gonna, why we're singing. We're gonna rehearse the gospel. Before mm-hmm. we baptize anybody, we're going to rehearse the gospel. Yep. And so what, what did I do there? First of all, I called the believing community to engage in that. Mm-hmm. Said, hey, we're not just singing songs, because that's what we do at church. No, we're rehearsing the good news that we have been brought from death to life, and this is what baptism symbolizes. Yep. So I need to engage in that as a believer, and then the unbeliever that's there can go, oh, th- this is what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know? And and, th- and there's the invitation to also participate and, um, and learn the gospel, hear the gospel. So the balance, I think, Stan, is focus on the believing community gathered for worship with a mindfulness of those that are among us that may not be a part of the community of faith. While keeping in mind that the gospel is offensive. Yes. Like just the simple proclamation of the gospel should, and not necessarily in the fact that it may anger somebody, it may grieve somebody else. Yeah. Uh, the, the gospel will offend the as yet unregenerate. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. It's just a fact. We have to, we have to trust, right? We have to trust that, you know, the proclamation of the gospel is what is the means through which God is ordained to save people. Yes. And so we don't, the gospel doesn't need our help to make it more entertaining, make it more palatable or seeker friendly. It is what it is. So proclaim it, preach it, sing Mm -hmm. it, pray it, uh, do all of that. Let the believing community engage in faith but just be mindful of those that are among us that yep. aren't, and and give them little explanations. Give them here's a give them little on ramps. Oh yeah. To understand what we're doing and why. Mm-hmm. And and that in and of itself will be for those that Christ is is pursuing, mm-hmm. right? And God yep. is calling to Himself. Which that's another episode. Another episode in and of itself. <laughs> for those that that have ears to hear. Yep. Um, they will repent and believe. Yep. Right. And, and that's, you know, um, yeah, there, there's, there's so much we could talk about there. It's a great question from Stan. Oh yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. And then he'll probably make an all seven days episode about it and then just blow us out of the water in terms of <laughs> listens, but I'm not bitter. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe, uh, leave a five-star review. Uh, we still haven't gotten anybody to pledge $10 a month for a year. Remember, if you do that, you get a free Piper Drive version too if you support us on Anchor FM for $10 a month for a year. That's $30 off 
the retail price. So that's pretty nice. pretty nice discount. Yeah. Uh, you can also leave a Lisa leave us a voicemail with the Anchor app or send us a question to WestminsterEffects at gmail.com and make sure you buy my stuff at WestminsterEffects.com. Uh, oh crap, we forgot the recommended stuff. Let's do that real quick. What do you got? Well, I pulled. A, I'm gonna be honest. I pulled a book off my shelf literally when I walked in the door. When you walked in the door that I haven't read in years. But and I, I'm I'm kind of I kind of flipped through it a little bit. You know, there might be some things I don't really agree with anymore. Fair enough. But nonetheless, I think it's a good read, and it would at least prompt um, worship, lead worshipers uh, of all sorts to think through what they're what they're doing. I mean, one of the the chapters in the book that was really helpful to me was when he it's it's by Bob Sorge by the way, exploring worship by Bob Sorge, a practical guide to praise and worship. Um, he was the first one that I heard really explain in a way that I understood sort of the, the vertical and horizontal aspect mm-hmm. of worship, right? Yep. Is that there is a, there's a Godward focus that we all need yep. in worship. And then there is a horizontal, there is the church singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and and calling each other to worship. We have songs that do that. Songs like How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. You know, is is that that's a that's a horizontal kind of worship song that's mm. saying like, hey, let's all let's all engage with the greatness of God here. Um, so that those are all important elements of worship. And and in all of that, the the individual believer I think experiences um the power and presence of God in worship, the way God intends. It's, it's, you know, when worship gets too me focused, I think it loses something really important. Oh yeah. It, it really needs to be God focused and I'm, I'm focused on God with these people mm-hmm. and, and whatever impact worship God needs to, to make in your life through worship, he will do as your focus is there. And I think this, this book uh, talks about that. And there's a, there's a lot of other stuff. The Art of Leading Worship, uh, the Worship Leading Team, Planning a Worship Service, Becoming a Worshiper, What is Praise, um, you know, Praise as a Weapon of Spiritual Warfare. I'm on board with that. You know, Piper put out a blog not that long ago uh, on a similar track. So Exploring Worship, Practical Guide to Praise and Worship by Bob Sorge. Very cool. We, uh, we didn't even nail down this. <laughs> episode subject until what like 10 o'clock last night <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm just doing what I just started reading which is Piper's because we've only had one Piper reference which was just now yeah. uh, which is weird for this podcast uh, I just started the justification of God uh, I was talking with Brian oh, about man. that this morning man it's uh, it's so so dense mm. um, it's really really good I'm having to kind of just take his word for Greek words and just mm. kind of recognize what they look like is that the one that's a response <laughs> to N.T. Wright no that's the uh, that's his exegesis of Romans 9 uh, right 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 yeah so I was yeah. talking with Brian about yeah. both those. Books. Yeah. So, yeah. so read that one before you preach. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, uh, even, even James White says, you know, Greek nerd that he is. And James White was on the NASB translation committee. Mm. Um, he says that the justification of God by John Piper is the best exegesis of Romans nine he's ever seen. Wow. So that is 
quite some. very very high praise mm. uh, for someone who has extremely high standards of of exegesis and exposition. So yeah, let's end it there. Uh, here is my cousin Amos McFall's official Westminster Effects demo of the Edwards Overdrive version two. Thanks for listening. I'm excited to introduce you today, the version 2, Edwards Overdrive by Westminster Effects. The version 2 of the Edwards Overdrive is a brand new circuit designed by your friends at Westminster. It's a blues breaker type circuit, and it's just a solid pedal for anyone's board. So here's my clean tone. four controls, gain, volume, presence, and tone, with a gain clipping switch. Now let's turn the gain up a little bit, we'll turn the volume down, and dial back the presence just a bit. Let's try the clipping switch in the down position. Let's turn the gain on up, turn the volume down a bit, and let's see what this pedal can do. Let's back off the gain, turn the volume up a bit, we'll turn the tone up, and turn up the presence just a bit. Here's kind of a bluesy riff. <laughs> 